You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Today's guest on Fly on the Call is still hungry. We just put out probably my favorite album of 2021 so far with our second self-titled LP. This was a surprise release and a welcome one at that. The excitement of not knowing an album was coming still has me every time I go to put it on, and I think once you check it out you'll be hooked too. Our conversation hits on why the full album drop was right for the band, why they made the choice for the album to also be self-titled, and the thought and planning that went into the striking album artwork. Other discussions include the learning process of melding three multi-talented musicians into one project, using the start of quarantine to work out the perfect vocal combinations, and some creative gear they used for one of my favorite moments on the album. Stay tuned to the wiretap and enjoy being a fly on this call. I feel like it's been so interesting seeing bands and audiences kind of adjust to the pandemic and the different ways of you know connecting to and releasing music and I feel like the kind of slightly longer release schedules come back into fashion so yours was kind of like the first really memorable one for me and in, in recent memory that was like a fully surprise drop like especially since you know the initial PR email that I got said you know here's these two new singles and more surprises in the coming week, but I definitely wasn't expecting a full album. <laughs> but like, what was kind of, what made that the right route for you? And you know, how has it been so far? It's been really cool. I think it's a newer type of release than any of us has done before. Um, we kind of, you know, we were like, everyone's kind of doing the same thing. Everybody's kind of feeling really fatigued. Everyone's attention spans are really, you know, so short right now. What can we do that's different? What can we do that makes it special? Because we can't have a, a you know, in-person live release show. We can't do, you know, all the typical things that we would do, um, you know, in person and with other people. So I think we just really wanted to find a way that we could make it special and feel like we were all kind of doing this bigger thing together, you know? Um, hence like you know playing the game together in our like little virtual world that we created um but yeah it's been cool the feedback's been really awesome and I mean I we this is not something I ever imagined that we would do for a release so it's it's been cool (laughs) I agree yeah for me like traditionally in other bands I've been in always the most successful like release strategy was to go on tour so I think even like when we kind of realized that that wasn't in the cards, if we wanted to release it, you know, when we, when we did, um, I think we were all just, yeah, like interested in like, um, 
finding people or even just amongst ourselves trying to be as creative as possible and try and think of something that might be like, you know, still still make it centered around the music, but but, you know, something that would be more fitting to the weirdness of everything that is right now. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I think like, I feel like with surprise releases, it's such, it's a really cool opportunity to like make a, like a very hardcore memory for a fan. Like, you know, that for like, and whenever I find a new band that I listen to, usually like the first album that they release once I'm a, a fan, I'm like, oh, this is like their best one. Like I have such a cool connection to this. So I think it's like, on a kind of an even bigger scale, just like dropping an album like that gives gives people the opportunity to have that. That's really cool. It's a very interesting perspective. Yeah, <laughs> we took a page from Beyonce's book. I keep saying that. I'm like, well, why don't we call Beyonce? <laughs> Drop it. We were like, is this going to work though? We're not as popular as Beyonce. <laughs> we kept referring to it throughout the whole process as pulling up Beyonce like the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I mean, uh, like towards the end of last year when you released the, the Richmond EP, you mentioned how, you know, all those songs were recorded pre-COVID and kind of like that the meaning had changed a lot for you since then. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. I uh, So my fiance's family has like a random house in the woods in, in the Poconos and we kind of um, have been very fortunate to be able to make that our like home base for recording the last couple of things that we've done. Um, so it's really cool to be able to go get away there and sort of take a few days and take our time with stuff. And that the EP that's now titled Richmond was uh, actually supposed to be the first half of an album, if I'm not mistaken, Jenna or Eric, tell me if I'm wrong, but we had intended to, you know, go there to record those songs and then sort of finish up at another time. And then, we were kind of in between the sessions of recording and uh, we, the world did what it did and that kind of interrupted any plans we had. So, uh, you know, right, right before we, we left for the tour that we were on, um, we had just finished up recording like the second batch of songs that were like maybe going to be part of the same release. And uh, we found ourselves with like a whole lot of time to finish the album. We ended up like, getting to dive into the production a little more with the, the second batch of songs. And then we had about 13 songs in total or 14 songs in total. And it kind of felt like the newer ones that we had more time to jump in with production with uh, felt a little different than the original ones that we had recorded in the Poconos. So we kind of just decided to let those be their own thing. And we felt like they sort of captured a very specific moment in, in time and, uh, yeah, definitely the mood behind them and the feeling behind them is uh, oddly, uh, it, it oddly corresponds with the, the general mood of like the world. I feel like it, it was a weird coincidence where we had recorded these songs and they, they retroactively, they, they sort of ended up fitting the vibe of when we released them pretty nicely. So that was a nice little coincidence. Yeah, I think it's so weird how so much music kind of like tapped into that that ether of, you know, <laughs> what was to come and ended up being so fitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Generally, our music kind of has like a bit of a somber undertone, I would say, in, gener in general. So it kind of is exacerbated by everything that's going on pretty hardcore. I thought it was another interesting thing. I'm not sure... I think with Matt's timeline, we, we 
four of the six songs on Richmond we had released like even before we had started recording this LP because we we um we recorded the the six songs for Richmond 2019 and uh they the two we didn't release um uh like as singles leading up to the release of that EP uh ended up being two that are like really centered on like traveling and like this idea of being on the road and this idea of like being you know whatever uncomfortable or confused or you know like just kind of trying to navigate like life while traveling and what that means and all that and I think that kind of hit me the hardest when we released it after you know about nine months of not being able to do that those two songs with the, the words meant a lot different things to me <laughs> you know the year after we had recorded it so that was kind of an interesting element of that too for me personally at least yeah I totally agree and you know to to uh even take it a step further we i think that it it was even more impactful just thinking about you know the last time we were able to play music live i guess if you don't copy, uh with you know the different streams and things with other people in a room it was you know we were on tour and it was it was in march and it was right before COVID hit so it was you know i think at least when i think about them it makes me think about that and you know uh how much we take it for granted and I feel like the the album feels very much like a transitional album to me like whether it's you know relationships or life or or actual physical space like traveling um and also for that reason it feels like the perfect like road trip album to me um but uh, can you talk a little bit more about that kind of that that through line I don't know if this is an exact answer to the question but I think that for me, like the the first album, the first like self-titled LP we put out last year um, was kind of a lot of figuring out what we wanted this project to sort of even like look like or how it could be framed in a way because we all had been in different projects and been around each other in the music scene and, and like played in other bands that, you know, and I have an immense amount of respect for Matt and Jenna, which is why I was so excited to start this project. But to me, they're both, uh, all three of us are bringing very like things to the table that I feel like a lot of times that's like one person's job in the band usually in like a traditional like four or five piece band. So I think like that first album was a lot of like, how do we all sing? Like, does that make sense? Is that confusing? <laughs> like how, what styles are a good amalgamation of all of our sensibilities and like what we all like, you know? Um, and then I feel like this album to me, like you were saying felt like, we had experimented with that EP that we were just talking about, but like, this is the first, like, yeah, I think we kind of are starting to figure a little bit out about who we'd like to be and how we'd like to frame that. And it felt a little more like a band, you know, to, to me. Um, so for us, it was, I think a transition in that way and sort of like a kind of like putting a flag in the ground of like, okay, this is like something that we all can kind of see clearly, you know? So definitely that felt like an arrival. I mean, it was as much of a transition, but that, that felt like that to me. Um, I don't know if either of y'all, we all write songs on the album. Like it's pretty actually pretty even split of how much everyone writes. So I'm sure that Jenna and Matt have other things to say about the songs and what, you know. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Eric. And I think that this was the album where we are starting to find our groove, you know, of how to work with each other um, instead of just, you know, like Eric was saying, typically, 
you know, you're in a, maybe, I don't want to say traditional because bands come in all shapes and sizes now, but, you know, and always have, but, uh, you know, say it's a five-piece band, you have like, you know, the, the guitarist who writes the songs, the singer who sings the songs, the drummer, you know, whatever. And it, it, we all kind of came to it with such different capabilities and, and a lot of overlapping capabilities. So I think it was interesting for us to start learning how to navigate that and like all being good at writing songs, all being, you know, good at this other thing and, and, and writing melodies. And, and, you know, I play guitar and Mateo plays guitar and Eric plays guitar and we all play keys and we all play, you know, everything. And Mateo plays drums and Eric plays, and it's like, so we all kind of, I think had to learn a lot about how to use our strengths, where to step back. Um, and like this album really, I think we found a good, we started, yeah, like we, we got our groove going with how exactly to collaborate with one another. Um, and it, it's really cool. It, it feels like we now have less of the discombobulated approach and more of a, you know, okay, this is what we're about. This is what we know of each other. This is what we expect of each other. This is what, you know, we just know kind of, we have a better vision of where we want to go. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that like really stand out to me about the band is like the, the layering of the instrumentals and the vocal harmonies, which, you know, obviously that makes sense that the three of you are kind of all primary songwriters then. Um, but I'm curious, like where, where's that kind of songwriting urge come for you, you know, like to do those layering like that, like, is it more of uh, are there any particular musical influences in that way? Or is it more because you are all uh, such strong musicians in your own right? Personally, I come from the background of only playing alone solo by myself. So I feel like I've always had a really strong, I've always been very compelled to try and do more just by myself. So I traditionally in my other project loop, um, my vocals loop, my guitar loop things. So I, I feel very, drawn to doing that naturally um and I think like we were saying before you know all of us are so like it's I think it's just we have so much fun with creating melodies creating things and it's just so easy to keep layering things because we're just having so much fun being like oh you know what would be really cool if we added this on top and if Matteo did that and so I feel like it it, it definitely for all of us like kind of comes naturally to just want to like it's almost like a puzzle just like wh like where can we fit these other cool ideas and pieces that we have going on definitely yeah i think a lot of it also stems from like uh we all came from different projects like eric just mentioned before this one and um i actually have to credit very very much eric with uh coming up with a lot of the arrangements because aside from being a member of this band he's also like an audio engineer and producer and he's really good at like arranging stuff and a big part of this band that's very very important that is like very unusual to any project that i've ever been in is like we spend much time working out like vocal arrangements and just trying to figure out like what sounds goofy what sounds good when we do it this way and a lot of it stems from just like sitting together in a studio space and really you know working little kinks out in every single song so first off thank you for even noticing <laughs> that we spent time doing that and yeah definitely uh a big influence is like trying to make this project unique in that regard and like you know from the beginning of this project that was one of the foundational elements of it was like what can we do to make this not sound like your band or your band or the band that i was in or the band that you were in and like make it its own thing and that was sort of one of the, the landing pads of 
all of that combined was just trying to like get freakishly obsessed with like where the vocals sit in each song. So that's definitely a huge part of it. Yeah. I, if, uh, one thing to add that's kind of interesting is like, I think all three of us have like extremely different voices, like in terms of the qualities of each person's voice, um, which is something that even as we were starting, I was like, this is going to be a, like an interesting puzzle to kind of figure out, you know, what the best way to frame that is. And I think on the first album, you know, I'm like always recording and working in the studio. So the idea of like quadrupling vocals and making these huge massive arrangements is something that's, you know, on the table always. It doesn't need to be that, but it's something that's not like uh, weird. I'm just like, oh yeah. And I think we did more of that sometimes on the earlier record. And we actually, even though there is like, it seems dense vocally, there might only be one song on this LP where there's more than the three three voices, like the three parts singing. There may have been times where one or two of them were doubled, but like really like there aren't like six, seven part things happening. And the one thing we had the luxury to do, which was kind of a, a sad, dark moment was when we, we were on tour, we were on day three of tour when quarantine happened. And we had recorded most of the music for this album before we left for tour. So when we got back, we were all basically quarantined together in the van, you know, like when we came back from Canada. And we, we were like, let's, before we go quarantine ourselves, let's use this next like week and a half, I think like 10 days we spent uh, just like, just working out vocals. And, you know, like, I'm definitely the worst, like on my demos, I'll put like three part harmonies and, <laughs> you know, crazy stuff. They were like, we don't, you don't need to go that crazy on the demo, Eric. But it was kind of fun because we were, able, we were able to try like, what if Matt sings the highest note, even though Jenna, Jenna's voice, you know, can go the highest. Like, what does that do to the quality of it? And I think for a lot of the songs, we tried like every person's voice on almost every part. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to describe. Like, we we literally might have done like every possible option in every song just to like get to where we were. And like some of them, I'm still like, how did we end up in this of all yeah. the different scenarios? Like, yeah, lots of different combinations. And some of the songs that made the LP, the final versions, are not how we intended in the beginning that Eric was supposed to sing this one. I wasn't even supposed to be in this, you know, so it's wild to see that kind of journey and the trajectory of like where this all started versus where they end up. And that, and that is a lot, a huge luxury. I, you know, that that's not something that I feel like I get to do a lot when working on albums. So I'm really grateful for that. And it was, this is the first album I've ever really sung uh, a, a project of ours where I'm singing sort of like a lead vocal. It's something that traditionally Matt and Jenna have done a lot more than me. Um, and I think that time and that luxury definitely gave me like, I learned a lot and I was excited to learn a lot and excited to like learn what I like and you know, what ends up sounding pleasing to us. So, yeah, I, I think that's the next big project is a, a choose your own ending, uh, or what is it called when it's like three people and then you like can switch the, the head, the torso <laughs> oh, and the yeah. legs. <laughs> yeah. That's what you need for, for the band. Like when you're like making your own skateboarder and Tony Hawk's for a skater and you get to like pick like <laughs> their like torso. And stuff. <laughs> We've kind of mentioned it that this is the second self-titled album, which I feel like a lot of times for bands, that's kind of, you know, they, they're very intentional with when they decide an album is self-titled. So I'm curious, uh, 
you know, what kind of went into that thought process. And also I just have to say my Apple music library loves that, that there's two, <laughs> like the first time I clicked on the new one, it like brought up the old one. It still shows the, it shows the like track listing for the old one on the new ones. <laughs> oh no, I'm glad we're actually that. trying to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> we speak. So thank you for, it's good to have uh, an outsider perspective. Yeah. We actually just, somebody just actually sent us a screenshot of the same thing happening and we're like oh and we're reaching out to a distro kid who we like release everything through nice. <laughs> yeah the uh the self-titled thing i think that just sort of stems from like we just it's hard uh, for me at least i feel like it's hard to like put a title on a group of songs that nails it every time and i feel like the best title is just the name of the band because you can't mess that up and it doesn't it doesn't give the listener any like uh reference or something to expect it's just sort of it is what it is and they sort of are able to form their own opinion based on that that's kind of my my personal opinion and i think we all just agreed on it because for some reason we all have our own personal opinion that maybe is different but it aligned in that i think for me too another reason was this is maybe the first band I've been in that I, I feel like I maybe I've been as evolved with, but we've thought as much about the album artwork before we're done as usual. Usually it's like the album's done. It's like, oh, we need album artwork. And this was like, we had very, very decided about these like kind of staged intense photos that we used for the other LP and this LP. And I think for me, I was like, maybe titling them eponymously would lead to people referring to them as the photo, like the horse album or the horse photo album because the, the, those photos we were very lucky to work with two like incredibly talented photographers and like and jenna really is like an art director for the band jenna is a very talented absolutely with everything visual and you know both ideas i think we had brainstormed and they uh, to see that connection of the photo coming out like exactly how we all saw it in our head was so cool i was like let's let the artwork kind of speak for itself to you know not that you'd have to, but I thought that, that was a cool idea to me. Yeah, I totally agree with that too. And I, I, Eric and I actually were talking about this the other night and I just, I don't know, I like to look at it even as, um, I always say this about tattoos because I have some tattoos that I regret getting when I was younger, but I try to look at it positively and I say, well, it it's a snapshot of where you were in that moment. And I kind of like to think of our records that way, that it's, you know, it it's a great, like almost as volumes, you know? Um, so like, that's where we were in that moment. And it's so hard to kind of put, like Mateo was saying, just find one thing that could perfectly encapsulate all the themes that we go over on the record, all the, you know, just the different stuff that we touch upon. Like, it's just, it would feel um, like, like it wouldn't do it justice, you know, to, to capture everything that I think we feel about it or that we put into it. For sure. Yeah, that's funny you said that about the tattoos, because that was pretty much the, the reasoning that I used before, like when I was, you know, before I was 18, before I was even like able to get a tattoo. I was like saying that to my mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a snapshot, mom. <laughs> if uh, my kids said that to me, I'd be like, you're right. You can go get one. <laughs> I mean, if it meant enough to me at one point to get it on my body permanently, then that's... Right whether it's important to me at the moment or not, it was an important time in my life. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that is true. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. And I mean, I guess going off of, you know, you mentioning how much thought was put into the album artwork. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, that thought process behind it? I'm going to absolutely let Jenna 
discuss this one because she's <laughs> the mastermind behind all the album art. I'll I'll talk a little bit about it, and then I'm sure Eric Eric I know um, was you know. Well, let me start off by saying this was such an interesting process planning this album artwork. Um, it was a little more of a process than LP one, and I think we went through a lot of iterations of what this could have been and what we thought it was going to be at the beginning, what it kind of evolved into. Um, there are a lot of props in the set. Those are Easter eggs actually. And a lot of them are, I think this is the first time we're really talking about this actually. Um, they're really, you know, just different parts of each song. Um, and they represent certain themes in each song or certain memories we have and certain, certain just, um, little little things that we know about and that we hope that other people would pick up on um so that was really fun kind of getting all the props together collecting those figuring out which ones represented which song best and um it was a definitely crazy process but it was great um and I think that the one major thing that Eric, you, I think, saw a little bit clearer than I did was the wardrobe aspect of it, if you want to talk about that a little. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, even just a little more, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think we've had this concept of something, like, very stoic and staged, like like the, the photo is, uh, for a while. We had talked about, like, doing a music video with something like that, but it's something we've been kind of, like, kicking around, and then when we got to thinking about this album artwork. I was like, what if we tried to morph this idea into the artwork? Kind of like for me, I always saw like the Fleetwood Mac album covers in my head where it's just very like, kind of like, like it looks like a painting or something. You're like, I'm not sure why they're so intense and serious. Yeah, you know that Facebook group, Accidental Renaissance Paintings? Yes. Sort of like that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> no, I, I actually don't. I I'll send it to you guys. <laughs> That sounds awesome. And then I guess at some point I, I probably just said to the two of them, I was like, I had this idea that what if the this the whole setup was like very kind of like manicured and sterile and intense and staged looking, but we were just wearing things that were at odds, like juxtaposed to it, something that's like, well, that doesn't make sense. And then I think it kind of then developed into like sort of like developing these metaphorical outfits and like, you know, we all we have there's probably more reasoning than anyone would ever care to know behind what they are. But I think the end result is like, hopefully, uh, at least when I look at it, like it is kind of visceral. It's like, you don't need to know exactly what it means. You just know that it's uncomfortable. And I think that that's a really good reflection of kind of, kind of like what a, a lot of what we're trying to say in a lot of the songs, you know, this idea of feeling out of place or, you know, something like that. Yeah. I think the first time that I like have fully, like been soaking it in is while you're talking about this, I actually pulled it up and like, now it makes me really excited to get it on vinyl and be able to have it on oh, a 12 yeah. by 12. <laughs> that was the best Thank moment you. of this whole process. When we finally got the vinyl and like, I could see the photo like big, it was oh, just like, yeah. wow, this is the coolest looking record without a doubt <laughs> that I've ever like gotten to make. Like really was it satisfying <laughs> to see. 
For sure. And uh, I mean, one of my favorite parts on the record is um, the solo in Paper Lanterns. Like I love that kind of crazy <laughs> fuzzed out tone. And yeah. Gear yes. Talk always goes over my head, but I love hearing about it. So can you tell me a little bit about how that came together? I know oh this is an, I know this is an audio <laughs> podcast, but I'm going to show you the picture of how we got that. <laughs> so, oh, man. so that song was a song that I had like I think I had made a demo for that like a year and a half before yeah. we ever recorded, but it was very incomplete. But that idea was in my head. I was like, it'd be cool if there's this like kind of song that never really stops bouncing and it's kind of like acoustic y, but then there's just this solo that just sounds like just irritatingly, disgustingly weird. <laughs> so when we went to go record, we that was like on our list of like, we need to make sure to get a cool, probably my list more than anything. <laughs> like, we need to make sure to get a really cool drum sound. So, Mateo, can you talk about the amp while I find this picture? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Very long story short, I played Drosselmeyer in a rock and roll version of the Nutcracker. And one of the many weird props on set were these, like, stupid, like, $25, uh, like, I, I don't even know, like, where they came from Stratocasters and they were like really small guitars. They were like a foot and a half long. And for some reason they actually worked and came with these tiny little amps that were like four inches by four inches battery powered. And they had like five of these amps left at the end of the show. And they were like, we're going to throw these out. And I was like, all right, I'll just take them. So <laughs> you can't even see it. Oh my God. I realize this is an audio <laughs> podcast, but the mic is like twice the size of the amp. <laughs> yeah, that, Pretty much. The, the tone of that guitar solo is just a tiny little amp exploding with like a professional microphone on it. Like, <laughs> and we just, it somehow it ended up on that album. <laughs> and made the cut. Very professional stuff over here. <laughs> if anyone does care, we did put a lot of boosts before it. So the amp doesn't get that gnarly on its own, but we just basically like kept putting boost pedals until it was like breaking the amp. And then we're like, all right, <laughs> this is perfect. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was very pleased when we ended up using that. And I was like, wait, it's actually being used on the album. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that for sure. <laughs> uh, and S Sleep Light is another one of my uh, favorites on the record. You know, I, I really like the line. Uh, doesn't matter if you're on the race because we all end up in the same place. Um, and I'd just love to hear a little bit about that song. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so there's it's actually funny. The, the whole idea of that song is like um, it's it's about like a fictional character that's being like abused by their partner and is like trying to break up with them and it oddly coincided with a night that we all got into a, a terrible argument together, the three of us. And Eric and Jenna are convinced that I wrote it about them, but it, that's not the truth. Yeah, it's uh, it's about. Um, basically to get like really weird and deep into it there's a song called halloween by the gaslight anthem and it's like an old old song that i really liked and it's a really interesting story about like somebody going to a halloween party and feeling like really out of place and like the singer uses like all these different metaphors to describe uh how people are feeling based on like what costumes they're wearing uh, and i thought that was a really cool idea for a song and i sort of like took that and ran with it and i i tried writing like my own version of it and like a lot of the songs that I write personally are like it's a pretty weird thing that I do where I, I have a, a usually an easier time like 
coming up with characters in my head when I'm writing a song and like assigning different meanings to things based on like those characters and what they're feeling like probably like more than half the songs that I've written are, are in that uh, way. And this is one of those as well. And, and that's, uh, you know, it's just a song that I, to be completely honest, I'm like surprised that I ended up on the album. <laughs> um, and it was cool. It was a cool thing because it changed a lot from the original demo. Um, and everybody really had their own voice in that. Like, uh, I remember we were like almost done with it. And Jenna at one point was like, I want to try recording a few other things. And this was when we had finished recording together and we were sort of like separated enough at this point that we should not be seeing each other because of coronavirus. And it was like, you know, when people didn't exactly know what was going on and were really scared to be seeing each other. Uh, and I remember Jenna from her own house recorded these like backing vocals that ended up in the end of the song. And I was like, what? I was like, I'm wondering like, what else can we add to the song? And I heard her vocals and I was like, oh my God, this is so sick. I don't know if I ever actually talked to you about that, Jenna, but I really like those vocals at the end of the song. Thank you. I'm glad they made the cut. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, thank you for listening to that song. I'm surprised it's on the album, to be honest. It's cool. <laughs> awesome. And I mean, I feel like we kind of like have all mentioned that there's like these little moments in the album that kind of really stand out. I'm just curious, what are, what are some of those for you personally? That's a great question. I actually haven't thought of that, uh, like, you know, maybe subconsciously, but. I, I have a couple, if that's cool. If you yeah, guys want to think tell for us. a sec. I think this is, I don't know if I've talked to either of them about any of these. Um, I think one thing that I kind of felt right away, as soon as Matt kind of sent a demo of Best Costume Wins, um, was that it starts with the same chord, a similar voiced chord to a, the song Sunco from our first album. And there was something that felt like the next step to me a lot about that. It just felt like related, but like this whole new version where each of us sings in that song, that song feels like an overture to me where it's like an introduction to this new idea we're trying to do, but it's still connected by this very visible thread of this like voicing of this chord that starts Sunco. And I think every time I went to listen to like the mixes, I I've always played that song first. It ended up being first. I think we all, dug that idea but I just hearing that made me makes it feel like a still hungry thing to me right away without hearing anyone sing and I was kind of like it just was sort of an accident not an accident but it was sort of something that just happened and I it's one of those things that you can't quantify and we didn't plan and it just feels really like right you know when when uh, when I've heard that and then for me uh I, like I said it's just this is my first real journey into kind of like feeling vulnerable uh, and singing, you know, like songs that I wrote that I, I, I the songs that I've written on this album, uh, unlike Matt, are not about characters. And it's stuff that I think was like hard for me to say, but like the process of actually saying it and then releasing it is like a form of therapy for me. So for me to even just like hear this thing and be like, well, it's out and people are hearing it and that's okay. You know, that's been like a really intense but good, you know, sort of process as we've released it. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's been a really cool, to just, you know, to say the least, experience, just having gone from working by myself and just singing, you know, being the only one to sing my own songs to hearing other people and your friends sing the words that you wrote is really cool to me. Um, Definitely. It, it's really moving. 
Um, and I think another thing is that I, I went into this band, not, I mean, I've had maybe 10 piano lessons when I was about four or five. I was not a key player before getting, <laughs> coming into this band. Um, so anytime I get to just rock out on the keys in this, uh, on this album, which, which is a, a lot more, I think, than LP1, um, that's really, it's been fun for me. It's been really cool. Definitely. Yeah, we just uh, filmed a live stream that's going to be happening uh, this Sunday. And it was funny because, I don't know, do you, Scott, do you like play music at all? Or do you like, are you, do you play in a band or anything? Uh, I played trumpet in high school. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. That's the extent. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, Eric, Eric likes band, school band stuff. He's got a lot of experience with that. Um, I played trombone in middle school too, so I can relate. But anyway, this is a little different maybe. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of times when people write an album, if it sits for as long as our sat before it was released, there becomes this space put between you and the art that you created because of the time that went by. And that I felt like that was beginning to happen for me with this album where I was getting a little antsy and I was like, you know, we should really put this out because I'm starting to feel like disconnected from the meanings behind them and the songs that we had written. And I got to the point where I couldn't like keep listening to the mixes anymore because I was going to drive myself crazy. So uh, when we started filming the live stream, it was the first time that we had played a lot of these songs uh, aside from recording them in the studio. And that was a really cool moment for me to sort of, to answer your question, to like dive into moments within the songs that I really now I'm connecting with because I hadn't experienced them in that medium yet. So like there are some moments in like the song ducks, I think that I didn't really like notice that I would like so much on the record, but when we're playing them live, I'm just like, wow, like I really feel this more than I thought I would. And I feel like that's a whole other layer of, of feeling the songs is when you're actually playing them live. So it was really cool to experience some of those when we were filming that. For sure. Yeah. I feel like even as like a listener, like I love those moments that hit you live, like that it was just like, I did not connect with the song this way before. And now there's no going back. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's awesome. Uh, and then I always like to wrap up the same way, which is just by asking for um, a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about lately, whether it's music or life in general, uh, just something that you wanted to share. Oh, man. <laughs> Excellent question. question. <laughs> Excellent question. We could all use all the advice we can get right now. Everyone always nails it. <laughs> man, I mean, I just think it's to take better care of ourselves and each other. I've learned a lot about that this last year. Couldn't really agree more with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think also, I, yeah, one one thing I would say too is I, when we rehearsed for this live stream, like the first couple, uh, we tried to condense it to not have anyone be exposed, you know, because we we're all together kind of rehearsing and filming it. So we did it over a very short period of time, like a week. And uh, all the rehearsing, like first time playing together in a year, also <laughs> yeah. filmed it that week. First and time I, ever playing some of the songs. Yeah, yeah. Together Probably most of them, yeah. 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 Um, doing that, it almost it's always felt like I've, I've been playing music for such a long time that things like rehearsing or even writing have always felt like this is work that you put in to get to the thing that you want to do that brings you joy and makes you feel fulfilled or makes you feel connected or like you're sharing something like it's work. 
And that moment of like, for the first time in a year, sitting in the room with everyone and just like being with human beings and sharing and playing music, it's like, no, this is the thing too. Like, and I think that was really powerful for me to be like, it is like a blessing and a privilege to be able to be in a room and share music, even if no one hears it, even with just yourself. And I think that for me, I'm still going to probably keep learning that lesson over and over again my whole life. But this was a very poignant example. And it's a piece of advice I would give myself and anyone else to just like really try and be in that moment as much as you can whenever you have the opportunity, because it's not something that's guaranteed, you know? Love that. Definitely. Oh, true, Eric. Yeah. I was just going to say how much I agreed with Eric and Jenna, both of them. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, is there anything else that we haven't hit on that you've been, you know, really wanting to get out about the album? Uh, well, one thing that's good is this stream is 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 airing Sunday, but probably most importantly to us is that um, they will be uh, taking donations for mutual aid in Texas. So uh, we're going to like a donation. Uh, each dollar is like a raffle ticket. And, you know, we'll send like a test press and a record and stuff to whoever like we pick the name out. But it's, you know, mostly just going to be like hopefully a positive experience to raise some money for something. So if even if people don't watch it, if they just want to log on for a second and donate a dollar to like, it'll, it'll be all going. We're not, you know, we're not keeping any, we're just going to donate it all. For sure. I'll, I'll definitely uh, share that around and I'll get a link in there to the, uh, when the episode is up. I'm not sure when it'll be up because I've quite a few banked now, which is kind of weird. It's been a while since I've had that, but, uh, but I'll, uh, I'll definitely get the word spread for you. I just want to say thank you to you also. And I was going to say, it's cool that you're doing this. And I'm glad to hear that you have a lot of, a lot of artists doing this because like, this is as corny as this may sound like we we're in the middle of a record cycle and we still like don't have as much going on as we maybe would if the world were a little more normal. So like things like this are so huge and like the people like you and the people who are helping to facilitate music things happen in the, the digital world are really, really appreciated right now. So thank you for doing this with us. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I always say like, I have these conversations because I want to get people the connection that I feel with artists and get them to turn into the kind of fan that I am. Cause I'm like, I love this music so fucking much. Like I want you to do it too. <laughs> well, we're a big fan of yours too. So thank you for everything. Awesome. Yeah excited to uh to share that and and like and thanks for like listening so intentionally to the music you seriously know? yeah i don't know if it's surprising to anyone but like that's not super common you know <laughs> so it feels really like nice to have put so much work into something and someone actually listened to it so we appreciate it very much that was seriously one of my favorite conversations and i truly hope you're as psyched to find out about still hungry as i was there's so much great layering and interesting sounds to dive into on this album, that I really hope you'll take the time to do it. Fortunately, since this was recorded a couple weeks ago, the live stream that we talked about is no longer available, but please still consider donating to the Harvest Project Food Rescue. The link will be in the show notes, and any help would be greatly appreciated. Find the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyingTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyingTheCallPod at gmail.com. Stay hungry.
One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one hit thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.